Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Right now on the AT&T hotline is the uh, guy who heads up the basketball operations for the Boston Celtics, Danny Ainge. Danny, it's Dale and Michael and Jackie. How are you? How you doing, guys? Doing pretty well. How are you? Hi, Hi, Jackie. Hello, dear. I missed you the other night. I'm sorry I missed your press conference. Oh, darn it. You really missed a lot. <laughs> Should we call you the uh, the Prophet Daniel? Is that what it was? You yeah. said, what am I, a prophet? Did you see this press conference? You're a little testy there, Mr. Ainge, in that press conference. <laughs> I think you've done a very good job of keeping a very low profile. Very low profile. That's what I would have done as well. D- Danny, let's start with a simple question, and it's going to seem disrespectful, and I don't mean it that way. Uh, when you watch your team play night in and night out, do you root for them to win? I do. I root for them all to do well um, also and uh, and really progress. You know, like I, I knew going into this year that there was a possibility that we wouldn't um, win a lot of games. But I also um, – that's, that's really a tough position to be in because, like, when you're watching the game, you're just, you know, you're so into it. And um, – so, yeah, I'm rooting for my team to win, and I'm rooting for the guys to make all their shots and for all the players to play really well. You know, I saw something. I've, I've been dying to ask you about this. You said uh, to Baxter Holmes earlier this year that you thought that the uh, 2014 draft, uh, this hyped draft class, had been a little uh, overhyped and that maybe it wasn't the, the the strong class or as strong as people were making it out to be. Uh, what do you mean by that, and, and and why do you say that? Well, so you know, I said I said that first, you know, back in October, and you know, everybody thought that I was just trying to downplay it, but um, I had some ulterior motives. I mean, I know Jackie's been around me long enough to know that that's not really my style, but um, I just feel that way. I feel like it's, and and you know, there's part of me, I guess, that. I've been around the game a long time, and I think that sometimes we have put in the media such high expectations on people before they've ever done anything. And I'm sort of against that. I I hate the fact that they're comparing high school kids to superstar NBA Hall of Famers, and then when it's really ridiculous comparisons, then that makes me even more frustrated. But um, I think there's this very irresponsible um, coverage of these kids and and the expectations are really high and I think the kids are there's going to be some all stars in this draft I, you know there always is I don't I wish I could tell you who they're all going to be and exactly uh, and predict the future but um, I think that there there's some good players and there will be some starters on good teams and that type of thing so I think the draft can can help teams but. I just don't think there there is that one player that's just going to turn a franchise from um, a, a bottom team to a to a top team. Or I don't I don't I don't see that player right now, and I don't see that happening. 
All right, so I'm going to agree with you. There's no LeBron. Let's let's do it that way. But there are a lot of teams, Danny, including your own, that positions yourself for this year's draft. And I think the reason for that was because there are enough players that can make a difference. And as you know, sometimes in a draft, there's only two or three. Maybe there's more than that this year that can make a difference. Let's not say LeBron to the Le- this LeBron. But there's a lot of teams that position themselves similarly to the way your team did. So doesn't that tell us that there's some depth in this draft that perhaps we don't see every other year? Well, you know, I, I think that that's, that's another danger is like trying to predict what the draft is going to be two years, two years ahead of um, the draft. I think that, that it, it does change. Um, some players don't get any better. Some players that were projected to be really good, you know, sort of fell off the face of the earth. And, and, um, but, I, but I think that, you know, listen, the, the draft is, like I said, there's always good players in the draft. There's always some good talent that you can get. And what I'm just saying is not, there, there's not a LeBron or Durant or Magic Johnson or Larry Bird, those type of guys. Um, you know, there will be good players. I mean, there, there are some good players that will be starting NBA players on good teams. And I don't know how much better than that, and I don't know how long it will take for them to be that, um, but, I, but I do believe that. You know, Rick Grossbeck uh, got my attention last night. I was watching the game. He does an interview, and he's just sailing along and saying all the things I expect him to say. And then he says, well, I may have to make – a phone call. I'll let the basketball people handle it, Danny and Brad. Then he mentioned a phone call in June. Then he mentioned fireworks. So I, I'm, I'm asking, well, what is he talking about? So uh, uh, what, what are these fireworks that we should be expecting uh, this summer? And and do you think that uh, Rajon Rondo will be a part of those fireworks? Is he going to be on this team next year? Well, I, I, I'm – I'm, you confused me there with a phone call. I don't understand what you're. I didn't understand either. He said he may have to. He said you guys are going to handle it. The basketball people will make the basketball decisions. Ownership will be there for support. Although he may have to make some phone calls or make a phone call. So that oh. I don't know what I don't what, know, I don't I mean, know what hey, that means. You know, sometimes sometimes when you get involved in bigger deals, uh, the owners are certainly involved and. Um, Wick is is very much involved in what we do, um, and PAGs. Uh, you know, they're very much involved. They know whenever we're making any significant deals that they're they're always around and and have an input. So, um, you know, when we did the KG trade, um, you know, there was owner to owner conversations. So, yeah, I mean, the owners are always involved in transactions. That's the the world that we live in. It's and um, and Wick is a very bright guy, and he's very competent. Maybe he's maybe he's referring to maybe he'll have to close a deal or something, which is very possible. Which leads me to Rondo. You think Rondo's going to be on this team next year? Yeah. Wow, that was quite a ringing endorsement. <laughs> Let me ask you to this yeah, way, Danny. I mean, like, uh, like I've, I've said that like a thousand times. Like every interview, everybody wants like a a, a recon uh, uh, every day. I mean, I just. You guys heard me say it last night. You heard me say it last week. You heard me say it last month. You heard me say it six years ago. Here, let me rephrase. Can I? Shall I rephrase? I'll be the I'll be the attorney at the okay. at rephrase. Let's redirect. Uh, so you made you made Rondo 
a contract extension offer. He he declined to sign. He declined to take that offer. Made sense, right? Everybody understands why that makes sense. You knew when you offered to him that he probably wouldn't accept it because of all the parameters of the way it works. You can still right. pay him more than everybody else. So I guess here's my, if I'm you and I'm looking at Rondo and I'm asking myself, is he a max player? Now, I think he's a max player with surrounded by the right people. Uh, but don't you have to sort of wait and see who who he's going to be surrounded by before you make that decision? Well, I mean, like, like Jackie, you could say that about everybody. You could say that about every player. I mean, KG needed to be surrounded by, by the right people. Paul needed to be surrounded by the right people. And so did Ray Allen. And all three were max contract guys. But, but all, you didn't sign in the two lottery. Of them. But you only signed two of those. I mean, you, you, actually, you didn't sign any right. of them, right? Uh, no, I signed, I signed all, all three of them because, like, I inherited Ray's max contract. Right. And I signed KG to an extension max contract. Right. But, but, and, and we signed Paul to a, a max contract. But Paul, what I'm saying— but to me, this is very different, and I think you have to get. You're at a crossroads here, and you have to decide who is your nucleus going forward. And obviously, Rondo is an incredibly talented player. There's no question about that. But I guess I'm, what I'm asking you is, can he be your number one? Can he be your number one? Well, you know, but again, you know, I hate those. I hate those kind of conversations because to me, there's really only a few number ones. Right. Okay. So, like, and there's 30 teams. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to, like, like, who was number one with Paul, KG, and Ray is my question. And Rondo, by the way. Paul, Ray, KG, and Rondo. Um, there, were, there were nights where Rondo was number one. There were nights where KG was number one and Paul and Ray. And, and you know, they all needed each other to be a great team. And I don't know who's number one in that group. And it changed from year to year. And it changed from series to series sometimes. But... The point is, is that all players, no matter who you are, need other really good players around you to take that pressure off you. And and um, if if he is expected to be uh, to carry the team with the cast of team that he had around him this year, as an example, um, you know, everyone's going to fail. And so I don't I don't know what. Um, what we can do to surround him with better players. But obviously, and of course, everybody knows we need to put better players around Rondo for him to have a chance to succeed and for us to have a chance to succeed. One of the things that Brad Stevens said after the game last night was that he was proud of how hard your team played night in and night out the entire season. Uh, you, You ended up with 25 wins, and I have to agree with Brad based on my observation. I can't remember a night where I thought your team stopped playing did you feel the same way? Yeah, so I, I felt like uh, the, the pattern of our team, uh, I was doing the, the broadcast um, in Atlanta, and I thought that was sort of a microcosm of our season. We, you know, we sort of came out of the gates late in that game, just couldn't make a shot, got way behind, made an incredible effort and late in the first quarter all the way till the middle of the fourth quarter where we had an eight point lead against a team that was trying hard to win fighting for their playoff life and on the road and you know we went from a 15 point deficit I think to an eight point lead in that stretch and then we just couldn't finish the game and um, I felt like that was sort of a pattern but I enjoyed watching the team play this year I enjoyed all the the individual um, development and individual stories of our team, 
I appreciated how Brad coached our team. I appreciated how the veteran guys like Chris Humphreys and Brandon Bass and in particular and Gerald Wallace accepted their roles and, and, you know, bought into the system and didn't create a fuss when things didn't go their way. Um, I saw progress in all the rest of the young players, you know, and I, and I think that it was a good transition for Rondo. I think that, you know, there's always a transition when guys come back off ACL tears from, you know, we've seen it recently with Shumpert and Ricky Rubio and, you know, Rose has been out for two years and, and, you know, we knew that there would be a little bit of a drop off, but I'm glad that Rondo was able to sort of get that out of the system. And I think that with, you know, strength training and rehabbing and conditioning and shedding his knee brace and next year he'll he'll I'm glad that he was able to get all that out of there. So let me ask you a question about too about about Bradley Danny. Again, you made him a what I thought was a reasonable uh, contract offer. I think it was going to uh, average out about six million a year. Uh, you what did you learn about Bradley this year, or was it incomplete? Because again injuries got in the way. Can you make a determination going forward? I know you're interested in keeping him, but could you make a determination this year on what what the price tag would be for a kid that just can't quite stay healthy? Well, yeah, so I think that that is, that is somewhat of an issue, but um, you know, he's a very young kid and they're not, you know, for, uh, real serious injuries. I mean, he had a, a pretty severe ankle sprain. He tried to play on it and, and really inflamed it when he came back a little too soon, um, or just retweaked it. I mean, you know, that, that's tough to know. But he had a good year. I mean, like you know, having a, a guy that can play defense like Avery Bradley can, and um, and score like he can. I mean, he's really, really improving offensively. Yeah, no question. Um, you know, slowly but surely. I mean, his shot, he's always been able to shoot. People have always, you know, Brad, Avery Bradley, from when, when he um, was 16 years old, he was a scorer and a shooter. Um, but now he's increased his range. He's playing with a lot more confidence. He can shoot off the dribble. Um, he's doing a, He's really improved. And, um yeah, so I mean, like the the only the only negative thing was he missed twenty games with that ankle injury. You know, I want to I want to ask you about uh, just the progress. And yeah, I, I understand what you mean when you said you enjoyed watching the team this year, even though they won twenty five games. It was not a good basketball team, but I think you're looking for for increments. Okay, how did they improve here? Where were they in November as opposed to where they were in April? So. The, the Celtics are one of the statistically one of the five worst uh, teams in basketball. And whether you think the best team is Miami or San Antonio, there's a gap between the Celtics and that top team. And in, in one offseason, how far can you close the gap? I mean, is it – I'm not looking for a turnaround like you had in 2007, 2008. What's realistic between what we saw this year and what we can expect to see in 14-15? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see. It's like, you know, we're going out to play a game, and, you know, we'll find out at the end of the game. I, I wish I knew the answer to that. There's just so many variables, and and uh, I don't have an answer for you. I wish I, wish I knew and make my job and my life a lot easier if I knew the answers to those questions. But that's also what makes it fun. Danny, if you go out in the summer and, and talk to a free agent, what do you sell them on? 
I said, well, you know, so there's all sorts of different things, Dale, that you'd sell them on. You'd sell them on the opportunity to play. Um, you'd sell them on a contract. You'd sell them on a, a team in a certain role. Um, you'd sell them on our coaching, our the tradition. Uh, you know, the, in, any one of those things could attract a player. But most things, most players, you know, they want to come to a place they can win in some phases of their of their career. Uh, other free agents want to be paid. Other free agents want an opportunity to, to show the rest of the league how good they are. Um, so, you know, you, every every free agent is in a different circumstance, and they can be sold a lot of different things. Well, let me follow up on, on Stevens quickly. Uh, you mentioned him earlier, and uh, I, I saw your comments about him. You talked about his integrity. You talked about his intelligence, and the players respect that. I was skeptical when you hired him, uh, maybe just coming from college and his age. Uh, clearly, that, that skepticism uh, was, was misplaced. Tell me what you saw from Brad Stevens in the second part of the year, something specific that maybe he didn't realize in the beginning of the, in the, beginning of the season. Hmm. You know, I don't, I don't know. That, that, that's a tough thing to be specific. I think that, you know, different things that we were trying to do, I, I felt like he was, um, that he was continually recognizing the, the strengths and weaknesses of our players. Okay, so just identifying the talents of our individual team, because, you know, he hasn't been with our team, but he hasn't been in the league and played against any of the guys either. So, trying to identify that. And then the most difficult part of the job was convincing the guys to accept their roles when we have a lot of free agents and a lot of young players. And uh, I was worried about that. And um, I thought he did a magnificent job with all of those things, with managing the the difficult personalities and players that could have easily gone on a selfish – way and I just felt that Brad managed our team, managed our locker room and utilized the talents of the players and enhanced them. I think he figured out who Kelly Olenek is. I think Kelly really thrived in the second half and Jared Sollinger and um, Avery Bradley and, and even Jeff Green. I mean, I think that he um, you know, identified some things that Jeff needs to do to be better. And so Jeff uh, in my opinion, things that you, you don't see is like the kinds of shots that Jeff is taking are much better, and he's going to work again this summer. I think Jeff is still, even though he's a veteran player, I still think he has a lot of growth ahead of him because he has a good work ethic. And um, he be, he's becoming more efficient, and he's becoming a more valuable asset by identifying where, where Jeff has always been a great spot-up shooter on, and made a lot of big shots for us, and he's always been really good in transition. You know, now he's needed to become more of a half-court guy, and he hasn't been as consistent, um, but he's becoming the, taking the type of shots and becoming the, um, the more efficient player that we would like. Now we need to have better players around him, too, so he doesn't have to carry a load night in and night out that he's – unable to carry. Danny Ainge is the president of basketball operations for the Boston Celtics. By the way, Jackie's in here today, and we're thrilled she is. But our co-host on Monday, and somebody you knew growing up, Steve Lyons, said to say hello. Oh, great. Yeah. Played baseball with Steve all through our childhood. He said you were pretty good, by the way. 
Oh, that's very nice. Danny, we appreciate the time. Thank you so much, and best of luck this summer. All right, guys. Give my best to Mr. Lyons. I'll do that. Thanks. All right, Danny. Bye-bye. Um, that is Danny Ainge, the president of basketball operations for the Boston Celtics. Um, it, he, he is remarkably forthcoming for an executive. I mean, there are certain things he can't say, and, or, or maybe I should, I should more appropriately say won't say. But for the most part, he's more forthcoming than most, I think. Well, he always has been as a player, as a coach, as a GM. That's always how, been, how it's been. It gets him in trouble sometimes. Broadcaster. As a broadcaster, right. His broadcast and he was pretty good. Yeah, and he doesn't care. And that's one of the things that's kind of refreshing about him. And, and I can understand his frustration about Rondo. See, here's the one thing that we forget. Who's, who's really sure that Rondo wants to stay here? Because I'm not. In fact, really? in fact, I'm sure he doesn't want to stay right. here. Right. So, I'm sure that he does. And I'm going to tell you why. He likes money. Don't we all? <laughs> we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll, we'll flesh out your reasons in just a couple. Uh, we're very happy to have Jackie McMullen in the studio with us. We've already talked to Danny Ainge. Uh, Dave O'Brien joins us uh, at 3.30. Jack Edwards, the TV voice of the Boston Bruins on Nesson, will be in studio with us from 5 to 6. Do you think we got a lot of stuff to bring to you? You don't know the half of it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.